Okay, we are back for another episode of AlphaCast with myself, Mike Winner, and Dr. Bear Paul Lando from Alpha Vedic. Today is going to be a show that anybody can um, take a lot of positive notes from, we hope, because it's about the power of breath and strategies for using breath, which all humans do. So this is uh, a way that um, this is a modality that, and we're going to go over actually a number of different modalities and strategies for using breath to heal. And this is something that anybody can access. So it's a, it's a powerful tool that is free and open to all. So something that um, we felt going into winter would be a great topic. How are you doing today, Bear? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Staying warm? Oh, yeah. Um, we hit a a balmy 29 degrees this morning around 8 or around 7.30 and had our first official frost in October, which is early for us. Uh, so the boys went out and got to play in the ice for a second and on the grass. And I noticed I was out in a t-shirt and sweats and didn't really notice it. Thanks to my man, Wim Hof. I'm now a month in on doing the Wim Hof uh, protocol every day. And, uh, Basically, um, I'm noticing the effects. I'm noticing that I'm not so much a wuss when it comes to cold. And that was something I've always been a wuss about was I hate the morning cold. And now it's definitely something that's not affecting me as much. So I'm excited about that. And I'm excited to talk more about my personal experience with the Wim Hof Method today. I think it'll fit in nicely with our topic. Is your chest hair increasing yet? Uh, Slowly but surely, actually, that's funny because that's going to relate to my Halloween costume uh, <laughs> this weekend. But uh, no, uh, a, a little bit of why Wim Hof's got uh, a decent amount of chest hair. Is that the deal? I'm not catching the joke. Uh, I think it lost its moment. So why don't we move on? <laughs> so what's your Halloween uh, costume? Oh, I can't ruin the surprise. Um, is it chewy by any chance? Is it? Is, were you saying chewy? Yeah, uh, that would be pretty sweet. Uh, no, it's um. Well, I might as well say who cares. I'm not one to be into to that. Um, to having surprise costumes. Um, because I'm going down south to Venice Beach, California, to DJ with your son and hang out with your daughter-in-law. Um, we are doing our annual big Halloween party uh, and where we DJ and stuff. And uh, I'm going to be a sleazy 70s DJ. So I'm going to have a big afro, a big hairy chest, a cool 70s shirt, bell bottoms, big glasses. I always like to be something fun um, for Halloween. So, yeah. So, so it won't be that big of a stretch. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not even really dressing up except for the chest hair. <laughs> well, okay. yeah, man. So uh, uh, what are we talking about today? Uh, well, so we're getting into okay, breath. Okay, um, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, we're getting into breath. How do you want to start this? Well, let me um, see if I know how to use this share thing. I'll just uh, go in and out. Tell me how it works. Yeah. How are we looking there? We're looking good. Okay. So um, now let me go out and we're back to normal. 
Yep. Okay. So as you can see in the first slide, we're talking about breathing as a strategy, which might sound kind of strange for people because, you know, breathing is just breathing, right? But if you go into um, time-proven healing modalities, martial arts practices, meditation practices, they knew that breath was a vehicle. It was a conduit. And it was a conduit um, from... Uh, you know, what they would consider their authentic self, uh, you know, that resides purely in, in, in a pure state of mind, untainted by the machinations of the matrix. And so breath was uh, a strategy that uh, you did not do unconsciously, but a strategy to achieve certain ends. And uh, why don't we go ahead and... Uh, I'll do a share again here. So breathing is a strategy and we call it the miracle cure for everything because uh, that's absolutely true. It will cure everything and anything. Now that's a bold statement. I'm sure the FDA would uh, take exception with because I, I'm, I'm certain they'd also like to regulate breath somehow, but lucky for us, I don't think they've figured it out yet. And being that it is, uh, the most powerful healing tool that we have right under our nose that we can use for free anytime without interference or anybody trying to prohibit its use. Uh, I just thought it might be a good idea to talk about this. Now, in my um, career years, uh, I would spend a lot of time talking about breathing to people because I knew a lot of their health conditions would disappear or at least be more amenable to the the, the treatment that we were delivering. And uh, for some reason, breathing is the hardest thing to cross to people. Uh, you know, you have nice discussions, people would nod their heads and say, yeah, that sounds a good idea, fun concepts, but nobody ever follows through on it. And so it's the easiest thing we could do. And also for some reason, the hardest thing, the most difficult thing people have in following through on. So today, uh, what we're going to do is uh, do an overview of breathing strategies. And you can see this list here. We've got natural breathing, reverse breathing, mind-directed, embryonic breathing, fire breath, Wim Hof cryo breathing system, and the Buteco technique that was uh, created by Russian scientists, uh, extremely effective. And when you look at all of these on the face, they tell you to do different things. And, you know, when you get out there in certain circles uh, with breathing aficionados, uh, they, uh, they um, often have debates on, you know, right and wrong ways to breathe. And as usual, just like diets, there's no right or wrong way. It's what are you trying to achieve? And you notice to the right there, we have a couple of wolves, uh, howling at the sky and, you know, what's that got to do with breathing? Well, again, breathing is a way to reconnect, to create a conduit with your optic self. And through some of the techniques we'll talk about today, uh, we'll discuss on uh, the difference between our authentic self, which is our natural being, just like a wolf running wild uh, out there, um, versus ourselves that are brainwashed from birth through the entirety of our lives and never get in touch with that real self and then wonder why things don't go well sometimes. So uh, breathing, again, uh, 
an amazing strategy for regaining your health, for replenishing the energy reserves that are depleted in our life that uh, create uh, every problem we have, including aging, and uh, also to reconnect with spirit and nature, which is who we really are. So let me get out of this for a second. Well, let's go to the next slide here. Um, so the first one on the list is natural breathing. Uh, keep in mind, we could do uh, an entire day seminar on each one of these breathing techniques into the sort of things that, uh, you know, we'll elaborate more in our um, new member section in our website that will be up uh, someday soon. Uh, also, things we'll be doing workshops in the premises. But right now, today's for an overview, just to plant some seeds, get everybody thinking and breathing, and uh, it, it hopefully give everybody enough information so that you can start doing your own research. But more than that, um, start employing some of these because like anything else, just like going to the gym, you don't, you don't just uh, listen to somebody talk about it or try it once or twice. You do it every single day until it becomes habitual. And then it's just an automatic response. And you will find yourself uh, automatically going into different breathing strategies without even thinking about it or even being conscious about it uh, and doing the exact kind of breathing at the right time when you stick with this long enough. And then magic really starts happening. Okay, so natural breathing is just what we do uh, day in, day out. And of course, um, there's a little trick to that too. You don't just breathe. And uh, there's two different types of breathing. One is breathing through the nose and one is breathing through the mouth. But whichever one you do, uh, you should do it rhythmically. That means you just take nice gentle breath in and then about approximate same duration as it took to take the breath in, you exhale the same amount of time and it just uh, sets up a nice rhythmic um, cadence that will not only oxygenate you better, but it'll calm your nervous system and do a lot of good things to your health. So nose breathing, when you breathe through the nose, here's what happens. It moistens air and helps in maintaining body temperature. And we could talk about how uh, body temperature is ma uh, maintained. You don't give off heat uh, like you lose when you mouth breathe, but uh, you know, there's a lot more to that. So let's just keep it at that. Uh, you also have an abundance of nitric oxide, uh, which causes vasodilation of your blood vessels and increased surface area of the lung alveoli, those little cells in the lung that uh, are responsible for oxygen absorption. So uh, the abundance of nitric oxide helps you increase your oxygen absorption. Uh, when you breathe through the right nostril, um, and of course, when you're nose breathing, just normal nose breathing, you're doing right and left simultaneously. You're increasing uh, with the right nostril left brain activity, which gives you uh, an enhancement in your verbal performance. And when you breathe through the left nostril, it increases your right brain activity and enhances spatial performance. So just a greater awareness of your environment and yourself within the environment and you get to tune in on the right side of your brain that um, lets you read through the between the lines, so to speak. 
Okay, so nasal breathing increases parasympathetic dominance to reduce hypertension and stress. That's a good thing because most of us, uh, because of a lot of uh, you know our typical lifestyle practices, because of a lot of the contaminants that we're exposed to, especially things like Wi-Fi and uh, 5G and all that kind of thing, 4G for that matter, um, we're in a constant sympathetic fight or flight stressful state. And that depletes our energy reserves, and it's really the beginning of all of our problems. So nasal breathing increases parasympathetic dominance. That's where you want to be most of the time, unless you're running from a saber-toothed tiger. Mm -hmm. uh, finally, and there's a, a lot more we could add here. I'm just highlighting a few. Oxygen extraction is highest during the exhale. And nasal breathing creates a back pressure to increase oxygen uptake. So you have a naturally longer exhale when you're not breathing through your mouth. And that creates uh, increased oxygen uptake. So that's nose breathing. Let's compare with mouth breathing. I was going to say real quick. Mouth on the nose, breathing, of course. On the nose breathing. Go ahead. I was just going to say real quick, really interesting on the left and right nose. Um, I didn't know that. The left mm -hmm. right nostril, excuse me. So if somebody has a deviated septum, which I feel like I had a little bit just from um, broken noses and basketball and stuff, and you're not getting clear passageway on one of those, that could affect your development, especially if like you're a kid or something, right, with, um, that has some issues maybe breathing through one of your nostrils. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. But, you know, the nasal passages can um, accommodate and back in uh, further in the turbinates of the nasal passageways, uh, they can do some compensation even if you have a bit of a deviation, so not all is lost. And proper nose breathing uh, can actually um, help widen the nasal passages. Not can, but it does. So okay. in contrast here, let's just take a second. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I just, uh, that was a, a, no, no. a new, oh, please do. new information I didn't know. Yeah, no, please uh, chime in. And, and anybody in the peanut gallery out there, uh, please jump in with questions because I don't want this just to be a dry lecture. I just put some things on paper uh, today to, uh, because, you know, breathing is such a broad topic and there's so many things we could talk about and so many techniques that we couldn't even possibly include in our overview here that, um, you know, uh, this is just to kind of corral us in and, and uh, you know, help confine our conversation a little bit so we can get some ideas out there. So mouth breathing uh, should only be done for short durations. You know, if you're running, uh, you know, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, you need to open your, your mouth and, and take larger gulps of air. But, you know, with proper training and some other things we could talk about, you can even uh, do intensive exercises that would normally require mouth breathing, but to get to the point where you can keep breathing through your nose. Uh, you can't train yourself to do that. And then in the long run, uh, not only do you raise the ceiling of your athletic performance, but you're doing your health a big favor at the same time. Because most people that train in the gym and, and you know, serious athletes even that do not breathe properly, which is 99% of everybody, um, you know, in athletic training, they're keeping themselves constantly in a state of sympathetic stress because that's what happens when you open your mouth. So uh, another thing, mouth breathing promotes snoring, sleep apnea, and weakens the diaphragm. 
We're going to talk about a few techniques later on in the presentation here uh, where you can throw away all your machines and all that garbage that everybody thinks they can't live without these days and uh, just sleep normally, not, you know, uh, be a nuisance to your bed partner and, um, you know, not have uh, apnea or, or oxygen deficit when you're sleeping. Um, uh, the other thing uh, mouth breathing does is it uh, weakens your diaphragm because when you're breathing through your nose, your diaphragm gets a much more efficient workout. Uh, mouth breathing takes it out of the equation. It gets lazy and weak. When you uh, breathe through the nose, um, you know, you instigate a lot of uh, uh, filtration and chemoreceptor um, sites and you bypass the filtration of normal chemical and microbial pathogens. So you're prone to taking a lot more garbage into your mouth. You know, in Chinese medicine, there's an old saying that everything starts in the mouth, you know, all your problems, because not only does indiscriminate uh, dietary practices, you know, allow, you know, stuff that doesn't belong in your diet in your mouth, but also it opens you up to all these environmental influences and, and uh, subjects your lungs to uh, more radical heat differentials. And, uh, and then they also, of course, admonished people that it's even more important what comes out of your mouth. And that's why in a lot of uh, monasteries up in the mountains, the, you know, the, the monks, uh, you know, the fighting monks and, and these uh, adepts would uh, go into silence and live in nature where they weren't just talking all the time because they knew it was important to just go into silence, conserve your energy. And then also, of course, uh, the average conversation in uh, civilization these days is usually talking about something wrong or somebody. And, and uh, so it puts you in the frequency of exactly what you don't want to become. So uh, yeah, the mouth, uh, you want to be careful what goes in and what comes out of it. And that's going to help your entire development, not only your physical health, so uh, natural breathing uh, through the mouth is associated with the hyperventilation causes. It exasperates asthma, high blood pressure, heart disease, and other medical problems, a lot of medical problems. And when you're just taking in large gulps of air through the mouth, you do create uh, hyperventilation. Now, we're going to talk about certain circumstances like in Wim Hof breathing, when you just do it in uh, very constrained ways, uh, you know, and for very short durations to achieve a different end, then, you know, then you can actually drive benefit, but you have to do that consciously and not just get in the habit. And there's a lot of people that take up the Wim Hof breathing and say, wow, these guys are breathing through their mouth and these breathing techniques. I always thought that was bad. So we'll put that into perspective for you. And you'll be interested in that, Mike, because I know you're, jumping in both feet with that. And I want to know more about your experience here. Okay, so um, the hyperventilation, we're going to go into the Buteyko method or the Russian technique that teaches you how to um, breathe again without creating uh, and undo, does this hyperventilation because in Russian research, they found that the older people get um, because of a lot of accumulations that naturally were inclined to gather with, you know, the longer we're in the body, 
then we have this hyperventilation phenomena that gets worse and worse with age all the way until we croak. So there's a way to reverse that um, and then also put the ratios of gas, uh, you know, CO2, oxygen, uh, uh, nitrogen uh, into proper ratio within our lungs and start healing ourselves. And, you know, they have people throwing away their inhalers and all those things, people that have chronic breathing disorders. So we'll talk a little bit about that. So the other thing it does is it depletes carbon dioxide levels, reduces blood circulation, oxygen uptake, and slows down brain and reflexes. So it really retards your central nervous system, uh, which we'll see in the next little statement. It actually lowers your IQ if you're a chronic mouth breather. And, you know, when you see people that breathe through their mouth, and, you know, I get them in my old clinic days, um, just you don't even have to watch them breathe. You just look at their facial features and you can tell they're mouth breathers. And, uh, you know, the intelligence behind the eyes just isn't the same as people that don't breathe through their mouth. So um, it, it definitely changes your facial features. It lowers your IQ and creates all sorts of medical problems. So that's why we're starting out with, okay, natural breathing. Uh, there's even some tricks there. That's why um, we, carbon dioxide, you know, why that's why like the, the term, big culprit uh, these days. Mouth breather too. Go right? ahead, Mike. I was just going to say that. Sorry, why, what's that? That's why we have the term mouth breather. You know, it's exactly like, <laughs> knock on people who are not quite up to par with intelligence. It's uh, that makes now I get it. <laughs> yeah. So um, carbon dioxide levels are key to proper breath. And the deadly poison. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Green New Deal and global warming, you know, everything's blamed on carbon dioxide. Well, you know, just so happens. I just lost you here. Uh, hang on. We're here. Oh, okay. Can you see me? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Okay, good. All right. So, yeah, it just so happens that carbon dioxide is necessary for high carbon dioxide levels are necessary for plant life. Uh, it's necessary for uh, humans. And if your carbon dioxide levels fall too low, for instance, when you're mouth breathing, um, you know, it's, it's going to upset the whole wagon there. So first question for you, Mike, which is better for you, nose breathing or nose breathing? I'm going to go with the former. I'm going to say nose breathing. Good. Good choice. Which I think God had been a nose breather my whole life. Um, maybe if I've had a night of drinking, I might snore a bit. But typically, um, I sleep on my, um, my back, but I always have always nose breathe. I'm a very quiet sleeper. My wife can attest to. Uh, and, um, and I've always been a nose breather. Uh, so good for me i guess what about you bear you've been are you a nose breather do you snore ever i've never snored you can ask my wife <laughs> <clears throat> okay so no um yeah the same thing in fact um go off on a slight tangent here uh one of the things i did working with athletes in the past is we take in these world-class athletes and you know i was i was uh training at pretty high levels and competing and certain things myself 
So I started myself as a guinea pig. So what we did is we slapped a chest monitor on everybody. And, uh, you know, I lived with one leaves for about six months, uh, retraining my athletic training. And uh, what we did is, you know, you found your, uh, for instance, if you go into an intense uh, level, you find out what your max heart level should be for you. And uh, uh, then we'd go back into training. And uh, with the heart monitor, you'd see that as most of us, myself included, I just start a run or something and I'm already in my max heart rate. So that means you're hitting the wall immediately, plus you're in sympathetic stress. The other thing we did is uh, you never performed outside of uh, breathing through your nose. So if you had to breathe through your mouth, you just started walking. Extremely frustrating because I'd go down to the track and, you know, do 440 repeats and that kind of thing. And, <laughs> you know, for a few months, I find myself walking half the time, just retraining my nervous system. But what happens is when you do that for a while, uh, you actually get more of an awareness of when you're going out of your most efficient cardiac zone. And slow but sure, if you stick with it, not only can you perform the same levels like running 440 repeats, uh, you know, uh, with keeping your heart rate down instead of going into max overdrive, but you'd also be able to do a lot of these intense things through your nose which would yeah. seem impossible when you first start. And what's happening now when you're competing and, you know, I used to fight that kind of thing. Uh, you know, you get into uh, later rounds where you're, you know, you're running out of gas and sucking wind. Uh, well, because you have lowered, you've consciously learned how to train your automatic nervous system, which we're going to find with Wim Hof breathing isn't auto automatic at all. It's something that should be totally under our control advanced yogis have known that forever and then when you get in those phases where you really do have to push it you know like whether you're running or whether you know you're in a, a later round and uh you know now you're you're um you have a higher ceiling and then you know then you can pour it on and then you can open your mouth do whatever you want but you're going to have a greater performance threshold and, uh, you know, that same principle can be used by just regular folks in regular life. Uh, but we proved it out with athletics and, um, like I say, myself included, and, and it really works. So there's all sorts of neat things that you can do to get more in control of your so-called autonomic nervous system. Well, when I ran track, um, I ran the 330 intermediate hurdles and the 110 high hurdles. And I, yeah, I definitely remember going over this with the coach, going back to, we did a lot of breathing exercises. And I remember running the 110s, I typically did mouth breathing because it was a sprint, but then running like, the, and he made me run the 400 too, which I absolutely hated. But that, you know, that was all nose breathing. So what you're saying is even on the 110 high on the, on the micro sprinting and stuff, um, nose breathing is more ideal. Yeah, but it takes time. Yeah. And working with high-level competitive athletes, uh, worst frustrating experience in the world because, you know, we're all type A personalities in that world, and you want to go out there and just put on the afterburners right away and uh, go for the intensity. And then you're, you're looking at your body that, you know, you didn't even get out of the starting blocks and you're, uh, you know, you've already reached your threshold. So um, hardest thing in the world for type A personalities 
especially in athletic training, is to slow down for six months until you retrain. But then in the long run, your performance goes way up because now you can reach into levels that would have normally made you hit the wall. Interesting. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. Okay, ready for another slide? Yeah, let's do it. All right, self-directed energy movement. Now, this could be a very involved discussion, but let's keep it short. What we're doing is using breath and using our awareness of certain <clears throat> points, or we'll say energy gateways throughout the body and using our, uh, our mental focus with our breath in order to direct, <clears throat> excuse me, direct energy to certain places. Now, why would you want to do that? Well, it's going to improve circulation of lymph, blood, and chi. Chi, just a loose term for energy, but just think of electricity. That's all we're saying. It facilitates neurological communication. Let's see if I can make this bigger. It's looking good. Oh, I see what you're doing. Yeah, that's better. Okay. That's better, yeah. Okay, so uh, it improves circulation, lymph, blood, and chi facilitates neurological communication. So electrical signals uh, go quicker when you're actually breathing with awareness and guiding, uh, you know, rather than just having uh, energy circulate through the body and, you know, maybe you're trying to do a mental function or a physical function. Uh, or just going into meditation or deliberately trying to bring energy to a certain body part for healing purposes. If you know how to do this, you're going to be much more efficient than just uh, letting uh, nature have its course. Of course, this is nature having its course, but because most of us have developed so many bad habits, uh, energy is uh, not focused in a way to get the most out of our performance and our ability just to tap into greater potentials. So uh, directed energy techniques are very important. And there's one that we call the small circuit. Um, some people call it the microcosmic orbit. Uh, back in all oh, about 1979, 80, I was in a Kempo club. And, um, you know, we were fighting. And I heard about this guy in the city over in San Francisco from the old country, from Thailand, who was um, teaching these techniques. And uh, so, you know, I got uh, an appointment with him, went over to his flat in San Francisco and thought I was going to get this fighting monk, which he was actually. Um, but I thought he was going to show me some great fighting techniques. First thing he did is he sat me down and, uh, kind of just said shut up and uh, told me to focus on a certain point and he you know was a, a master at directing energy through his hands so he um, started with a certain point in the uh, 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 lower part of my back and uh, just kind of directed some energy there which I could feel the transference and then he just said uh, focus on that and he walked out of the room for about an hour and I'm sitting there you know with my mind wandering and getting bored, wondering what the hell I'm doing there. <laughs> anyway, a uh, few months later, I'm going to this guy regularly 
uh, he helped me awaken all these points, which by the way, you don't have to go to somebody. You can, there are books about this and you can do it on your own. He just helped me along because these were new concepts back then. And uh, what, I, what I found is over the months and, and now all these years later, it's just, again, automatic. I can be standing in line at the bank and all of a sudden this energy is circulating on my own. It's just automatic whenever I need it. Or when I do it consciously, for instance, um, you can actually uh, not just feel, but hear the vertebrae in your back adjusting when you uh, get uh, more clever and running this energy in abundance then it will realign your spine. It will, you know, go up the center and down, uh, you know, the abdomen and just keep circulating. And some of these points when you get up in the head correspond to with, you know, what we think of as the pineal gland or the third eye. And so there's all sorts of neat ramifications from doing this. And when, uh, you know, going back to athletic performance, it does help you when you awaken these because now you're more consciously aware of how to use your energy in a pinch and be more efficient in your movements and not waste energy and so forth. Now, uh, from uh, the small circulation, you can go to grand circulation, uh, four gates and, and all sorts of things that go beyond just these, uh, uh, you know, uh, midline points, which run along in Chinese medicine, we call them the governing vessel on the back and the conception vessel on the front. And a lot of these are therapeutic points too that we use in uh, meridian therapy and, you know, another discussion, but these are important points. And if you really get uh, good, which means uh, you don't have to be talented to do any of this, all you have to do is stick with it. Then, you know, you're doing acupuncture on yourself every single day. And it's just automatic. It's not a strenuous uh, discipline or meditation. It's just, uh, but you know, you, you do have to put in a, a few hours and months and even years to get really good at it so that it just comes uh, naturally and it's not a big deal. What are, the, what are, uh, one uh, more, go ahead. What are some techniques then? You're, you're, so, and those that are listening on the podcast, um, you'll be able to see these slides on YouTube. So um, right now we're on DLive. We, we go live every Thursday at 10 in the morning. Um, so those that are following along can, are seeing these slides. But if you are listening on the podcast and are interested in seeing these slides, we'll also put them up as a blog on our website as well on alphavedic.com, which I think is a good idea. But then also if you want to follow along and watch the video, you can go to our YouTube, uh, YouTube forward slash alphavedic and, um, and see these. Um, we do have a question here and I, it was the same question I have because this is, I'm, I'm really getting into it as we speak actually. And I'm doing it more through like a, a I guess you'd call it Tai Chi and Qigong, but uh, hope is wondering what's a, like a good technique to learn how to direct this energy with your breath and like a book, you know, like what's something to look up. Would you say Tai Chi or what kind of practice? Well, there's many practices, and what we're trying to do today is give you an overview so that you can see different practices that achieve different ends, um, you know, so that you can decide what it is you want to do in the first place. So, but let's just stick it uh, with the self directed energy movement because that's what we're talking about right now. Uh, there's one guy, and he happened to be the, the guy that I um, sort of stumbled across cross early on before he became famous and uh, his name's Mantak Chia you can see his stuff all over YouTube and his books are great because they're 
kind of the idiot's guide to uh, mystical Taoist techniques that really makes it accessible to the Western mind. So what was his name again? You broke up there. Mantak Chi. What was the name? Yeah, Mantak. Uh, see if I can spell it right. M-A-N-T-A-K. And then uh, Chia, I think it's just C-H-I-A. I haven't seen his books. I got him on my shelf somewhere over there. Okay. Um, so, yeah, read that. It's very easy. And uh, so they can't see the slides here on uh, D-Live. That's a bummer. No, no. They can see. No, I'm talking about for those listening on the podcast later because a lot of oh, people okay, okay. listen to this on the podcast. So they can go to uh, YouTube or our website. Go ahead. Okay, forgive me. As you know, I'm technologically challenged here. Not really. So, um, <laughs> all right. So, where were we? Oh, the next thing we might. Oh, so anyway, does that uh, help Hope? Um, Mantak Chia circulating the microcosmic orbit, uh, readily accessible uh, anywhere on the internet. You could probably even pick up, uh, um, you know, e versions of it where you can download it instantly. But they're they're readily available everywhere. Real easy to read. I'd start there. There's another one for women that I would highly recommend if you really like the microcosmic orbit. And that has to do with conserving energy using the microcosmic orbit for women in a more of a specified way so that you don't lose energy during your menstrual cycle. Now, women lose energy during their menstrual cycle. Men lose energy through sex. And so there's a way for men and women to use these techniques so that you don't lose energy when you're in any of those activities. And it's very important. And as we progress through these slides, what we're gonna understand more is that the whole name of the game of breathing is to keep yourself recharged with energy because uh, you know energy that's stored in the kidneys at birth, it's like we get a bank account. And that bank account gets depleted, especially with modern lifestyle and mostly just false belief systems and toxic emotions. And so by the time, you know, you get to my age, that's why uh, people are running out of gas and, you know, going into nursing homes and on 27 different pharmaceuticals and a shadow of them, their former selves, where in reality, um, we don't have to go down that route if you understand how to use breath to recharge yourself and then also understand how you lose energy and then to plug up the leaks and these breathing, especially self-directed energy movement techniques are the way you do that. Hmm. Let me throw in one last thing here before we go on to the next slide. One of the ways that really makes us more efficient in using our mind and breath to direct energy to certain points in the body is to use reverse abdominal breathing. Now, this isn't as hard as it seems. And in fact, if anybody ever just picks up a heavy weight off the floor, you're doing it automatically. And here's what it entails. Normally, when you breathe in, your um, abdomen pushes out. And then when you breathe out, the reverse happens. So in reverse abdominal breathing, 
which you're creating is a back pressure by using the diaphragm as a, a, a kind of a hydraulic system of sorts and increasing the air pressure in order to more efficiently move the energy wherever you want it to go. So it takes a little practice, but now when you be, initiate a breath in, simultaneously you pull your abdomen in. And it seems counter to what you'd naturally do, but it actually works. And again, this becomes automatic when you practice it enough. Now, you don't want to do this all the time. But if, uh, for instance, if I'm doing my martial arts drills, my Tai Chi ball, whatever, I automatically do reverse abdominal breathing. If I sit down in a meditation, not just me, but anybody who does this, um, sits down in a meditation and you want to direct your energy through the microcosmic orbit, what you do with reverse abdominal breathing is you breathe in, pull your abdomen in. You're going to notice when you get the hang of it, you have a little bit more of a pressure and an ability to focus your mind even on a particular point. You'll feel the energy wake up in those areas more quickly. And then you just go like an energy lock process through the different points or movements or whatever you're trying to do. It's uh, no different than when you're doing a, um, what do you call the, the old-fashioned uh, organs, the steam organs, uh, um, what's the name of those things? You know, like they, they work the foot pedals. What yeah. they're doing with the foot pedals is they're actually creating uh, an airlock situation so they're building up pressure so that the organ can play through the different octaves up and down the scales efficiently. So what you're doing here is the same exact thing with your body and with your breath. So reverse abdominal breathing in the martial arts and in more advanced meditation practices is considered a real uh, invaluable tool that you, you must know how to do to uh, achieve your goals that much quicker. Cool. And then, you know, when you're running around in your normal life, you, you don't want to be doing reverse abdominal breathing. Uh, you know, you want to uh, just do normal breathing. Uh, but, you know, when, when you uh, develop the practice and you automatically go into the reverse abdominal uh, whenever you need it. And for a while, you have to think about it, though, and make it conscious. Yeah. So any comments, Mike? No, um, let's continue on. I think, well, I do have one, but it could take us down a huge tangent. That's, and you kind of brought up a fascinating concept of um, where they, we have this bank of energy uh, that we're born with. But, you know, with my practice getting into Tai Chi and Qigong and stuff, from what I understand is we're actually also pulling this energy or electricity or whatever you want to call it from the ether from the informational fields or whatnot, right? So the breathing helps us be a conduit for that. Um, so the energy is also, I don't know if you want to say external versus internal, but we can feed off the energy all around us, right? Absolutely. And uh, I don't know if it's on this slide. Let me get back on here and we'll elaborate on that a little bit. Because as you know, I've been, I, I've been really, and you, I know you have a, you have a passionate interest in the idea of breatharianism. And there's a fellow I've been following of late uh, that I found out about and that you know about, and I've been kind of doing some of his practice and supposedly he's 
a full-on level four breatharian. He gets all of his energy um, from you know the atmosphere, from the sun. He doesn't eat or drink. And so he says whenever you're, he's feeling hungry or you're feeling hungry, especially when you're first getting into it, he does this like Qigong practice where he essentially brings more energy into his body through breath and through um, specific um, movements and positions. Yeah, exactly. The only problem I have with breatharianism is that I'm an Italian and I like food too much. <laughs> I know. It's but, kind of uh, <laughs> to being a farmer, like I'm putting a lot of my time into growing food right now and stuff. And I, I love being out there in the garden and, and watching life happen in front of me. And then we ingest it. And you're right. I'm like, I'm a foodie. I like, God, I love cooking and I love the, the entertainment of it all. So uh, it would free up a lot of time though. I, I mean, I guess you're spending more time doing like Qigong and stuff, but um, I, this guy, for instance, he's always traveling. He's, I don't think he even has a, a permanent residence. He's just always on the move doing talks and going places and exploring places. So just a different mindset, different lifestyle. Yeah, it'd be fun if we could get them on for sure. Um, you know, and people don't have to strive for any radical state of being. Uh, last time, I think we talked a little bit about fasting and I'm a big believer in fasting and you know, uh, every quarter of the year, so four times a year, I like to do uh, a 10 to 20 day fast. So when you're in that fasting mode, mm -hmm. uh, you become very uh, unattached to food and, you know, you have just natural energy. And so it is good, I think, to go off and on food so that uh, your attachment is a little less severe. Plus, it gives your body a rest and all the things we talked about. But um, to answer your question, if you look on the slide there with the directed energy, uh, the last thing I have in the, the top section is it's nutritional. So what you're doing with your breath is you're actually not just directing your attention to different points, but you are bringing in more abundant what they call in... Uh, you know, Ayurvedic uh, circles, uh, prana and, and, you know, chi and more Asian circles. And, and they understood that the energy is in the air. There's no such thing as space. It's all alive, conscious energy. And that is what we use to manipulate with our thoughts to manifest or pop things into the matrix or what we think of as our physical experience. So that's alive, intelligent stuff that will do our bidding uh, the more we get used to consciously bringing it in to our bodies. And there's that old experiment that's been done where they measure calcium levels in a chicken that's unhatched in the egg. And then as soon as the chicken comes out, it all uh, automatically has more calcium, uh, higher calcium levels that were uh, measured in both, uh, you know, the chick and the egg. And that's because, and, you know, this is baffled scientists and that how can that possibly be, um, you know, before they've had their first uh, little peck of food. And that's because we have to get back to the understanding that this is an electrical universe. There's no such thing as particles, and even the things we consider elements, 
that uh, we're taught are the building blocks of physicality, which is not true. These are electrical waveforms. That includes calcium. So all of these elements that we get from our food, as we think, are really ours for the taking directly from the atmosphere. And uh, a, a genius scientist by the name of Kerry Reams, who pioneered a system called ionization analysis that I've used for years in my clinic, um, actually proved out that 70 to 80% of our nutrition, even uh, with the, uh, the least of us, you know, even people that aren't conscious about anything at all, let alone their diet, it's actually derived directly from the atmosphere. So breathing is nutritional. You can get everything you need from directly from prana, from chi. You can uh, get the waveforms of all the elements without even eating any food. So breatharianism isn't far-fetched at all to me, and it shouldn't be far-fetched to anybody if you just learn basic principles of how the universe works in the first place. So uh, the last thing I'll say about reverse abdominal breathing is uh, just more efficient chi transfer for enhanced strength and functional movements. So that would include sports, of course. And it amplifies the effects of meditative and regenerative practices. So if you have a problem area in your body or uh, uh, an ailing joint you know, that you think is wearing out, you can actually increase the energy flow which in turn will, uh, you know, where energy goes, physiology must follow. It's impossible for that not to happen. So you'll have greater um, circulation of uh, blood, nutrients, oxygen, uh, more efficient removal of waste products. And that is going to allow the living cells in joints or any other body part to regenerate. That's pretty cool stuff. And you don't even need Advil. <laughs> Throw the Advil out of the out. I mean, not worth it. Oh boy, uh, we had to do a podcast just on Advil. <laughs> People would be shocked if they knew what that stuff, uh, what that stuff does. And aspirin. Some of the over-the-counter stuff are are worse than you know the prescriptions. Oh yeah. So how are we doing so far? We're doing great. I'm learning a lot. I think um, people out in chat are too. Um, this has been wonderful. So let's keep the ball rolling. We're already an hour in. Okay. This shouldn't take too much longer. And then, uh, then we're going to hear about your Wim Hof experience. <laughs> All right. Back to share. Embryonic breathing. This is really cool. Now, maybe to answer the last question we had from Hope, if I had my druthers of any technique I would do, if I could only choose one, it would be embryonic breathing. That's just me. Hmm. When we get into our Walter Russell discussions about how the universe works, according to waveform mechanics, we talk about how intelligence is pure stillness and that thought that we generate, that we all generate and nature being a collective generation of thought from the creator or 
however you want to think of that, um, creates polarization. In other words, creates a vibration, the electrical properties that then register to our senses and create the matrix as we know it. I like the term matrix because we've all seen the movie. And uh, the only thing we need to know about the movie is it's literally how things work. If you just take away some of the, um, you know, the, the sci-fi kind of elements, but it, it's really what we're living in. So that pure mind of that stillness in Asian medicine, we call it Wuji. And then what happens as Wuji is disturbed by conscious thought, it creates that polarity, as we mentioned. And that's how you get the yin-yang circle. Now, the yin-yang circle is actually a very accurate depiction, not just kind of a, a cool Asian symbol, but an accurate depiction of how things actually work. Now, the white area is what we think of as the yang, and the dark area, the black area, is the yin. And you notice there's a a dark circle, black circle within the yang, the white, and, and vice versa, white within the black. So there's always yin within yang. So when we first polarize our body embryologically into the matrix, we start by creating the initial dipole that is the beginnings of an embryo and later a fetus. And the dipole that you can see on sonograms and so forth will show you the, the, the origins of the brain, um, which in, um, well, I was going to get into some terminology, Chinese terminology, which in uh, that world we call the upper Dantian. So just think of it as the upper battery and the lower battery. Now the lower Dantian and in that beginning embryo, uh, you'll see it's connected by the spinal cord. And then you have the gut. The gut is the first thing that forms that later differentiates into all the other organs. But so for right now, just think brain and gut. And now a great discussion going on in medical circles is the brain gut connection. Well, this is where it starts. And again, energy always initiates, physiology follows, matter follows energy, not the other way around. There's no energy in matter. Matter is just an after effect, and it's not even matter. But then when we differentiate, then that's where you get the yin within the yang and so forth and gives you all the nuances of all the different kinds of life we have within us and outside of ourselves. But let's just go back to this original model. We have the yang, which is the brain uh, that we correlate with the mental plane. And then we have the gut. Now, in embryonic breathing, we want to connect the upper and lower dantians or the upper and lower batteries and deliberately recharge them because as we've already mentioned, these energies get depleted from energy by our own ignorance of not knowing how to maintain our bank accounts and actually grow them from birth rather than depleting them. 
So the first thing you want to start with with this meditation, and this is all centered around breath, so we, we're not losing the, the breath connection here. Is this uh, uh, you want to focus is on this nose breathing or mouth breathing? No, this can be nose. <clears throat> uh, in, in fact, everything's going to be nose breathing until we get to Wim Hof. Okay. And we'll tell you about an exception. Okay. Thanks. So um, the pineal gland, right between the eyes and uh, kind of between the ears at the same time, you know, you can kind of conceptualize this thing mentally. And in meditation, you want to use reverse abdominal breathing. You want to breathe in, hold your breath for about five seconds while you're maintaining your attention on the pineal, and then exhale, but your exhale is a little bit shorter than your inhale. And what that does is it creates uh, more of a compaction of energy into the area that you're focused on. Uh, one thing I should mention, um, and, and just get the gist of this, everybody. Don't get worry about getting complicated, remembering all the details for now. We're just planting seeds here. Um, in the wintertime when it's cold, um, you want to do this with equal breathe in, breathe out, because when you breathe in, you're breathing your energy in. Now, when you're um, breathing in, you're taking that outer shell. You know, we have an energetic envelope around us that protects us from our environment. And it's important to maintain that during the winter months. Otherwise, you know, we can lose our thermal properties and and be more vulnerable to kind of winter pathogens as we think of them and, uh, and lowered immunity. So if you do this practice in winter, you wanna go equal in, equal out. Uh, in uh, oriental jargon, that outer protective shell is called Wei Qi. So you don't wanna dissipate that during the winter months and bring it all in, whereas in the warm months, it's naturally gonna be out there on its own, so you're not gonna deplete it. You know, Wei Qi is also something that in the combative arts, we have ways of, um, of strengthening that. For instance, in football, you know, two-a-days when you first start, uh, you know, your first few days of hitting, you're just totally black and blue. But then after a few weeks, when you're in what we used to call hitting shape, you didn't even bruise anymore, even though your hitting is, you know, pretty high velocity and vicious. And unbeknownst to me at that time, you know, but that was always a phenomenon. We just said, oh, I'm in hitting shape now. But if you think about it, well, why don't you bruise when you're getting hit hard when it used to do that? It's because you're unknowingly building up your Wei Qi. It's protective. So it's actually protecting your physical body. Wow. And so when you understand these outer protective shells, the inner core uh, of energy, you, with breathing techniques, the more you do it, you can uh, manipulate your energy to go in, out, you know, on the moment or build up over time for seasonal changes. You can do all sorts of things. And now all of a sudden you realize there's no such thing as the autonomic nervous system, which means everything's just automatic and out of our control. It just happens on its own. No, everything in our body is supposed to be at our conscious direction. Breathing is the way you get there. So the cool thing, uh, when you look at the brain-gut connection and you look at the energetic origins embryologically, 
you see that um, the pineal gland is, uh, you know, when you look at the yin-yang symbol, you have the, the brain, the mental plane is kind of up there in the yang, but in the center, that black dot is actually the pineal gland. Now, if you meditate and just focus your energy up in the, you know, in the brain area, it's going to be chaotic. You're going to be all over the place and you aren't going to be able to really focus that energy in. So you have to anchor on the yin point within the yang in order to really focus the energy and, and build up the energy. And that just happens, your pineal, happens to be your pineal gland. You can mentally kind of sort of uh, find it if you know where it is anatomically between your eyes and between your ears, but you're probably going to be a little bit off. So the way you really find it is through toning. And there's a way um, where you use kind of a low hum, like a hmm. And when you play with that tone and you go up a little bit, down a little bit in the tone, and you're focused in the vicinity of the pineal gland, when you find the right tone, it's going to resonate and there will be no doubt where exactly where your pineal gland is. So while you're just learning to focus on your pineal gland, you want to tone it in so that you're right on the beam and not just guesstimating. Then you do your reverse abdominal breathing, focusing on that point, hold for five seconds in, let your air out, a little bit of a shorter exhale, and then repeat that for however long you want to sit there, 10 minutes, uh, you know, an hour, it doesn't matter, whatever works for you. And then, of course, you do that daily. And you're going to build up that energy in the pineal. And that energy is going to do a couple cool things. Uh, it's going to activate the frontal bone. And the bone is actually like a conductor. And then the uh, pineal activity, or the third eye as we like to call it, is going to be, uh, be able to perceive with the aid of the frontal bone. And it's not at all that the frontal bone is solid and it's going to uh, prevent the third eye from seeing because, of course, we're talking about an inner vision, but it's actually going to help uh, conduct it as you, you know, the inner vision and open up the third eye activity, um, you know, and this is something that we should all be using naturally. Now, if we all lived in nature and were never subjected to brainwashing and, and living in the matrix, uh, the third eye would just naturally be open just like animals in the wild. Uh, you know, are always perceiving with that sense. That's how they, you know, the, the predators become master hunters and so forth. But we have an even greater capacity than they do. Now, once you get adept at building up that energy, now you want to, in the same practice, um, simultaneously zoom in on the lower Dantian. And this, just like uh, the pineal, it's represented in the yin-yang circle as that white dot within the black uh, yin region that represents the gut. And when you're uh, developed into a full body past the embryological origins, then that's going to represent uh, all of your organs that differentiate from the original gut. And so you're going to focus right there on the white dot, which happens to be just a hair below your umbilicus, your belly button, and in between that point uh, uh, of your umbilicus and about 
oh, mid-lumbar, maybe about L2-3. And the way you find that is when you tune in with reverse breathing, reverse breathing, what it's going to do is create more of a horizontal expansion into the abdomen. Even though you're pulling your stomach in, it's going to create uh, a horizontal expansion of your energy. And you'll be able to feel that when you start playing with this stuff. And that's going to help you find the exact center point, which is your lower Dantian. Now that is your, literally, that is your brain within the gut. And that is why later on when we differentiate into a full adult human, we have all the neurological connections that go from the, the gut to the brain. In fact, there's way more neurological connections that originate or originate from the gut going to the brain than there are from the brain going down to the gut. That's why it literally is a second brain and it all starts at that first little embryological impulse where uh, the, that energy point, the yang, which is the mental plane, remember the white up above, is literally the mental plane or the brain, the higher neurological processes that center the gut formation and are the central um, uh, like brain of the gut and, and uh, you know, of the entire body. So that's something that's missing in our discussion of the brain-gut connection. So, uh, you know, we aren't confined just with um, rebuilding the gut flora and some of the other things we talk about more in the biochemical realm and the biological bioterrain realm. Uh, and, uh, you know, we can really do a lot more by focusing in with embryo embryological breathing or embryonic breathing and building up the lower Dantian uh, uh, battery reserves and uh, then when you connect the two, every time you breathe in, you're simultaneously charging the pineal and the, uh, the gut brain at the same time. And so uh, it is possible to do them both at the same time. And in fact, it'll get automatic. And so uh, I think we probably beat that one up enough. Uh, that's what I would do if I were to choose any one breathing practice. Yeah, that's amazing. And that gives you so many benefits. Um, wowzers. Uh, talk about powerful technique there. That's really cool, man. Um, I'm going to start doing that. Uh, I think I kind of was doing that for a long time when, with my work on trying to do the old uh, out-of-body experience stuff, uh, charging up my Merkaba and all that stuff um, and uh, with the pineal gland and uh, charging that for lucid dreaming and i do a lot of that right before going to sleep that is that is fascinating that is really cool and awesome how are we doing are we getting to academic or are we doing all right no we're doing great uh one question that was was it called warchi or watchy the outer shell protection Wuji. how do you spell that do you know w-u-j-i oh Wuji. Oh, and of course i'm i'm doing uh uh um more of a western pronunciation yeah 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 uh and uh so it was on the slide there guys uh wuji and um the question uh fluoride calcifies the pineal gland most definitely it does uh, as a number of yeah that's why it's such a good idea to fluoridate your water 
zombify us. Yep, that's why we've got zombies walking around all mouth breathers everywhere. Next slide, please. <laughs> Yeah, again, if you didn't know any better, you'd swear that they're doing this stuff on purpose. <laughs> Jeez. Next slide. Okay. We're, we're gearing up to Wim Hof here. We're moving and grooving. So I, f I put in fire breathing. Again, there's a lot of things we could talk about. But when you get into Wim Hof breathing, a lot of people say, oh, that's fire breathing. But it's really a little bit different again, although it seems similar. You know, on Wim Hof breathing, as you know, Mike, you're uh, taking a lot of rapid breaths and really accentuating the inhale. You do exhale, but you're really trying to get, as, as, as Wim uh, says, just get the air in, get the air in. You know, it doesn't matter if your mouth is open. It doesn't matter if your exhale isn't as long as the inhale. Just get the air in. And so that's what you're focused on. Now in fire breathing, which is an old yogi technique, um, what you're doing is breathing through the nose and you breathe in and you're breathing rapidly again, but you're exhaling more forcibly just to really expel all the air out. And uh, when you expel the air out, you're using your abdomen to kind of uh, pull in towards your spine to really stimulate the diaphragm more strongly. So you're not reverse abdominal breathing on this, just normal breath. And as you're breathing out, pull the stomach in to really force the air out. So breathe in, force it out, breathe in, force it out. You, you don't have to take real exaggerated radical in-breaths, but you really want to focus. You don't want to take deep breaths, but you want to focus more on exhaling forcibly. Are you, and, exhaling, um, you know, are you exhaling forcibly through the mouth? You can. Some people actually do that. I would keep it through the nose. Okay. And there's no reason why you should have to open up your mouth. I just know from doing this in yoga, we kind of do this. And it's like uh, a lot of the instructors, it's like, you know, now take a heavy breath in and through nose and then, you know, let it really go out through your yeah. mouth. And it, it does feel yeah. amazing. Yeah. The main main benefit is why breathing in through your nose, but, uh, and a lot of people do teach it that way. But when you're, um, when your nasal passages are properly groomed, you can breathe out, uh, with this practice just as efficiently. Okay. I always so, pretend uh, with fire breathing, I always pretend one thing, <laughs> cause I do this, uh, but I do the mouth. I always pretend like I'm a dragon and I'm just like, you know, yeah. breathing fire out of my mouth and, um, so, um, I'll try it through my nose though. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I just, uh, it's interesting. No, nah, no worries. Okay. So, uh, as anybody in yoga practice knows, just, I just added a couple of the benefits, you know, con uh, can helps control strength, strengthens the third chakra, you know, third chakra is, uh, the solar plexus area. And that's where a lot of our egoic emotions arise from. And when we say strengthen it, it not only helps strengthen the organs in the, <clears throat> in the abdomen area, but it also um, helps protect us against toxic emotions that, you know, will kind of make their presence known in this area. Uh, it, it's really known more as a cleansing uh, technique. It not only cleanses the mind, as you can read there, but it also cleanses the body. And uh, it helps the body release toxins. You know, the lungs uh, 
dissipate more toxins from our body than any other elimination organ. That's something that people don't realize. So you're giving, uh, cleaning out your body with every exhale uh, more than your lungs and I mean more than your liver or your uh, kidney system or any other elimination system. It improves lung capacity, which is a good idea. Helps memory concentration, stimulates the functioning of the digestive system. So really good practice. Just wanted to throw that in because we're going to contrast that with Mr. Wim Hof here. There's your guru there, Michael. There he is. The Iceman. The Iceman Hoff. He's a pretty say. cool guy. I really like him. Yeah. One thing that worries well, you me. You know, it's one of those. <laughs> Go ahead. I was just going to say. Um, back to the hair on the chest thing, which I was being facetious about, but I was going to bring up, he does have thinning hair on the top, which is my greatest fear. So it's like, I hope this practice isn't like causing some kind of, it's probably just the, his, his, you know, uh, genetics and stuff. But, um, the guy is a badass. Uh, he is just super cool, super cool dude. And what's great about him, he's just one of these uh, special people on the planet that's super positive, super passionate, uh, it just wears his heart on his sleeve, and uh, just an awesome, uh, an awesome guy. And, you know, his whole story, uh, and I'm sure you've heard all this, Michael, but we'll just go over it very briefly. You know, he lost his wife and had some challenges in his life. and He didn't just, where he didn't he just lose his wife. His wife committed suicide. Yeah. So, you know, went through a rough patch and, uh, you know, rather than just going into a dark place, he just um, decided to engage in life even more. And so he developed this and um, found just through trial and error that when he was training out in the cold, you know, running, hiking, uh, you know, in these uh, sub-zero temperatures that, uh, some neat things were happening to his mental state and his body. So over a period of time, he developed an exact technique and then he went in and uh, was subjected to uh, medical scrutiny because he was doing some amazing things that are considered impossible. So the, the, the scientists that were studying him said, well, you're just a freak of nature. And he said, no, 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 no. Anybody can do this. I developed a technique. And, uh, of course, they found that he uh, could make himself impervious to pathogens. They'd inject him with entero uh, uh, bugs that would, you know, give anybody else the, the runs immediately and, and yeah. you know, make you feel sicker than a dog and it wouldn't even touch him. Uh, he could, uh, they'd put him in an ice bath, totally submerge him, and he'd actually raise his core body temperature and, uh, you know, all sorts of pretty amazing things. So he developed this technique, and then he started training other people. And uh, some groups of people, he only trained for as little as 10 days and then brought them in for testing, and they, the scientists found that they were actually doing the same thing. So this is a reproducible system. Now, he also, breaks some of the breathing rules. Also, do you ahead, know, Mike. did you know that he's a twin? So, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's got a twin brother, and that was another fascinating thing, is that his brother, because they were trying to say this is his genetics and he's special, but his brother has, is basically um, not the complete opposite, but doesn't, isn't like into the cold and stuff, and so he's teaching his brother now. He has been for a while. 
So he's a he's like the perfect subject because of that. Yeah, amazing. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's that that would be amazing for uh, testing purposes for sure. So um, his thing, of course, is is not just the breathing. The breathing is huge, but he also incorporates uh, cold exposure. And as you know, Michael, all we have to do is turn on our shower up here and it comes right out of pure spring bedrock. So, you know, when you turn the cold on in the shower, you get an ice cream headache. Uh, what I do is uh, 10 minutes and I'll do a, um, three rounds of breathing. And so let's just go through the breathing and then, and then you tell us what you're doing. Okay. Um, so basically, uh, you're just trying to get breath in oxygen in your lungs it's like you're trying to hyperventilate like when we we're kids we'd see how long we could swim underwater and we'd hyperventilate well that's what you're doing you take about 30 to 40 rapid breaths i'll even take 50 at a time um deep inhalation exhalations more i'm just getting the air in as we already said can i say and, one uh, can i say one thing yeah right go ahead about the inhalation one thing that he stresses and it's super unique is that um, it's the three breaths, right? So it's it's from stomach, chest, and then head. So it's... Oh, yeah. 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 Good good point. And that was some questions yeah, I had and about please, that. Yeah. And please jump in. Um, you know, I went through his whole uh, training online, and I'd encourage people to do, you know, it costs a couple hundred bucks or something like that. And I think it's more than worth it. Plus, I'd like to support him or anybody that's doing work like this and, and help them get it out to more people because it's helping a lot of people. Um, so, you know, I went through the academics. Now I just kind of do it. So I've probably forgotten a lot of uh, the finer points. So jump in with those since you're, um, you know, uh, more in uh, those phases. Sure. So, uh, okay, so you do the breaths and then you um, hold it in, uh, but you exhale, right? Uh, that's what I do anyway. You, you take your last breath and then you hold it, but you hold it after you exhale. And, yep. uh, you know, so you don't take a big gulp in and hold your air in. You exhale, then hold your breath. And what you do is you time your breath hold. And what you're going to find over time is your uh, breath hold increases. I've gotten mine up to four minutes. And there's three, no way I could hold minutes. my breath. Yeah. yeah. It took me a while. Uh, there's no way I could hold my breath for four minutes before I was doing it regularly. And what you do is you do about, uh, oh, three to four. I like four cycles of it. I just always like to overdo if I can do something. So, um, and then you just rest in between, you know, uh, just kind of resume normal breathing for a little bit. Um, oh, uh, sorry. Let me back up. Uh, so you time yourself, how long you hold your breath, and then you hold your, you breathe in one last time and you hold it for about 15 seconds. I would sometimes go up to a minute just yeah. because it's easier to hold your breath at this time once you develop the capacity. And then, then you resume breathing, you know, normal for a, a, a minute or less. And then you repeat the cycle a few more times. And on your last cycle, when you go to the breath hold part, you do some physical exercise. He has you do push-ups, uh, 
and I know Mike, you and I talk about this all the time, but depending on what my workout day is, I'll do, uh, you know, a set of uh, Tai Chi ball, you know, and just hold my breath as long as I can because you're in a low horse stance and doing movements. Or sometimes I'll just hold a horse stance without any movements. Sometimes I'll do push-ups. But the thing is, is you uh, just learn to do some kind of physical activity during your breath hold. And then what you're, you find is that not only does your strength increase in whatever uh, activity you're doing, but you're holding your breath just as long, even though you're doing stuff. So it's kind of cool. So that's part of his system. Uh, what I also like to do is uh, in between the cycles, you know, and again, I go like about four cycles. I like to do stretches in between. And in his course, he does the same thing. So instead of just sitting there and breathing normal, I'll go through an entire stretching routine between the four cycles, do the exercise at the end of the last cycle, and then you hit the cold. And in my case, I can just hop in the shower. I've got a big shower head, so it hits your whole uh, body, and it's up high enough, so it comes right down on your head. And, um, and on that last hold there, uh, now you go into the shower. Now, typically, I'll get through about five minutes pretty comfortably, even though, I mean, you feel the cold. And it seems pretty radical at first. And, and when you go through the training period, uh, what you'll do is maybe hit the shower and you'll just take a warm shower and then you'll turn on the cold for 30 seconds at a time. Do that once or twice. Then you build up to a minute to three minutes and so forth. And then uh, you, you'll be surprised how fast you can get up to 10 minutes. And if your shower isn't cold enough, if you don't live in a spring water area like we have, then you can always... Uh, you know, get some ice and fill up the bathtub and that sort of thing. And a lot of people do that. And um, so I usually go through five minutes very comfortably. And then when I'm in it, you know, I'll just start uh, feeling the cold a little bit more after five minutes. Then I just do one more round of breath in the shower. And then in the, the next five minutes, I'm just smooth sailing. It, it's the breath really does something to help you stay focused and not focus on the cold, but just to simultaneously raise your core temperature. Now, Wim says, don't do it in the shower because, of course, he's afraid that somebody's going to pass out and, you know, hyperventilate in the shower and have an accident. But, you know, you just know if you can trust yourself or not. Wow. So, um, yeah. So, uh, the cold. And then, uh, as you know, Mike, when... Um, when you're through, you just feel amazing. Your whole body's tingling. And um, so some people listening now are probably thinking, well, why in the hell would I want to subject myself to that? <laughs> can, can, I say, in can I say one yeah, thing? Please. Okay, please. so do. for me, so yeah, I do all that. Um, I do three to four rounds depending on my day. I end with uh, typically push-ups or squats. Um, I haven't been taking as long of a break between, so that's a really good note that I'm going to start doing, and I'm going to start doing some yoga or stretching uh, between the rounds. That is something I didn't glean, and I haven't done the official course. I've just been take, pulling stuff off YouTube and and other people who talk about it, and from you. I know, Bear, you sent me some stuff. I need to read it. Um, and then I'll say this about the shower. So 
I'm, I'm 31 days in, I do it every day. I even do it twice a day sometimes. Um, there's varying degrees of cold, obviously. So I didn't, I didn't start with the warm and into the cold. I just start with cold from the very beginning. But, you know, there's ice, 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 freezing cold here, as you were saying, where literally it shocks, your, it gives you brain freeze. And then there's just probably regular cold you might get in a normal city, you know, municipal water. So that's where I start. I start with that cold. It's definitely cold. It's not lukewarm. It's cold. Uh, and then for the last, and I, you know, and I've only been going maybe six, seven, eight minutes. I, I need to stretch to 10. I haven't done any breathing in the shower because Wim says not to, but I see what your point is there and I'm going to start trying that. And then I, I hit myself with the, the ice freezing cold for me a couple minutes where it's literally, and I just am fully under it and shocking. It's, it's extremely cold to the point where I feel my brain freezing and then I cut it. So I only do that for a couple minutes. So I'm going to start trying to work up to that extreme, extreme cold for 10 minutes, like you're saying, because I haven't been doing that yet, but I haven't taken a warm shower in 31 days. Um, so I've just been sticking to this. And now I feel like I don't want to take a warm. It's fun, kind of funny. A hot shower seems not as pleasurable anymore. It's my wife takes really hot showers. And it's funny when you get out of a cold shower, you're not cold because the, the air is warmer around you and you feel, well, you do feel amazing, but you're also, you know, when you take really hot showers, you come out and you start, you're cold. You're like, Whoa, I'm cold all of a sudden. And then me sitting at my desk a lot too, working cause I do a lot of desk work. I used to get really cold and have to put a heater on here and stuff. And now it's like, I was out in 29 degree weather this morning in just a t-shirt and sweatpants checking the frost. And I was, I was realizing I'm like, I thought it was like 45 out. I'm like, how is there frost? And I looked at our, our temp and it was 29 and I, before I would be such a wuss be like with a heavy jacket on. So yeah, there's, it's crazy. Um, experimenting with the cold is my point here. It's like, there's different variations of cold. And I know we talk about getting into our river here. We live on a, a pretty um, cold river in the winter and doing that is some, my next step that I'm going to start doing once or twice a week is going in these river um, swims, um, which should be quite interesting. And after doing the breath work. So um, just wanted to throw my own personal experience in. I will say this. The reason why I got into Wim Hof is because I, um, I deal with some chronic pain issues um, from a broken collarbone I had as, a, as an infant where my body kind of set wrong. And I realized it's, I've had some uh, abnormal muscle growth in my back and shoulders. And so when I was a kid, they thought I had scoliosis and stuff. And long story short, it causes some issues where I get, I was getting migraines and I've even stopped drinking alcohol, try to fix it. And I've been doing a lot of different yoga and different stretching. And I was having to use Advil and stuff because it was getting so bad, even though I know it's terrible for you. It was just literally having, I was bedridden with migraines from the muscular and neurological issues I was getting from my neck and up through my head. And I haven't had it since I started doing this. It's completely eradicated that. It's, it's been a miracle. So, um, and I think that'll be a good segue into the rest of the slide on why this is, but dude, this, you know, Barry, you know, I was coming to you. I was going to have you help me out with some osteopathic stuff or Meridian stuff, whatever to help this because it was, it was really, um, affecting my life. And, uh, now it's just like, boom, uh, I do Wim Hof every morning. I get charged up with a cold shower. I feel amazing. And I, and, and to be honest, it's kind of crazy. I'm like stretching way less. I'm doing way less yoga. 
I'm finding that I'm actually having to do a lot less maintenance just thanks to Wim Hof. So that's been my personal experience. And uh, I love the guy. I'd love to meet him. I'd love to get to the point where we have him on our show. Um, he's really kind of uh, uh, changed my life uh, in a really radical way in only 30 days. And I'm not going to stop. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah, he's changed a lot of lives. You can go on his website and, you know, just testimonials a mile long of just people that have cured themselves. So the whole point today is it's another variation of breathing. And it's the, the most simple uh, free thing we can do anytime we want. And uh, we could really do away with doctors. You know, I'm, I'm a physician and my goal in life is to put myself out of work and mm -hmm. put all doctors out of work because why should we have a class of people, uh, and especially in our Western mindset, that are trained to fix other people? First off, you can't fix another person. You, you know, you can lead them to, you know, things where they can fix themselves if they're ready to be fixed. But we really have to get over this notion that we need other people to do anything for us. And not only do you feel better and get rid of your health problems, but it's immensely empowering. And the main thing I'd say with Wim Hof is that um, it's empowering in a way that uh, just allows you to exercise mind over matter. And you don't have to... Uh, you know, go into extremes and say, I can never take a hot bath again, because there's nothing wrong with a warm shower or bath. And that can have, uh, you know, uh, good effects as well, you know, soaking and salts and things like that. And, and I still like to do that. On the other hand, just like they used to do in, uh, well, still do in yogi circles, um, they just would always finish a normal shower with cold. Now, what Wim did is he went the extra length and he found with his breathing technique uh, and, and all subjecting yourself to lengthier uh, cold exposure, it had the effects that we have on this slide here. It increases uh, oxygen for one thing. And um, with the, the combination cold breathing, it allows you to uh, create uh, a much greater amount of ATP, which is the body's energy production at the mitochondria of a cell, which is where that stuff happens. It's like a little organ within a cell. And um, the adenosine triphosphate, the ATP, is uh, created from glucose and oxygen. And when you do this technique, you get way more ATP out of a single molecule of glucose. So it really uh, ups your energy production. It decreases uh, alkalinity in the body. Now, uh, kind of contradictory to anything else we're talking about, it lowers CO2, which isn't a good thing if you do it all the time because CO2 is about health. And the next thing, the last thing we're going to talk about is how to raise your CO2. But remember with Wim Hof, this isn't something you walk around doing all day long. You do it uh, for one session that uh, I think I do my four rounds in about 20 minutes if I include the uh, exercise, the stretches and everything. So it's just uh, a little small window during the day, and uh, then it has these effects that you see here. Uh, it um, increases stress hormones. Now, that sounds like it would be a bad thing, too. 
Now, what are stress hormones? Things like cortisol. Well, it so happens that when you increase the stress hormones, it happens when you subject yourself to the breathing and uh, the cold, um, then the stress hormones do reduce inflammation. And that's why, Mike, you feel better and your, you know, your joints hurt less, your body hurts less. Um, it's because it's getting rid of inflammation by deliberately provoking the manufacturing of stress hormones. But if you're breathing properly the rest of the time, uh, you know, you aren't going to be creating these stress hormones all the time that could actually start, um, you know, working against you if you overdo it. So uh, his system really works. And he's the first guy that thought of, uh, you know, incorporating the cold therapy. And more important, as I already said, you're really training your mindset and, uh, and it helps your ability to meditate and concentrate. So you increase your immunity and your conscious use of the autonomic function. Again, autonomic is that part of the system that I was trained in school that is automatic and beyond your control. That is absolutely false. Every process in our body is within our control once we become aware of it, understand how it works, and understand how we are the absolute progenitor of our entire reality when we understand the process of thought that only conscious beings, self-conscious beings can create. And uh, so it also, they found, uh, allows you to steer your cardiovascular and thermal regulation, you know, uh, be able to control your, your heartbeat, your rhythm, uh, increase your core temperature, even in extreme conditions, which allows Wim to like swim under polar ice caps and, <laughs> and uh, you know, just, just crazy things, which I don't think I'm in the mood to do that. Uh, you know, my 10 minute cold shower is fine for me. I get the effect, but he goes to extremes not to do a macho thing, but just to prove uh, what humans are capable of and then create a process that anybody can replicate. Next slide. Also, now we go can into I say, the can final Can I say one line. more thing there? Please. He yeah. talks about uh, the neuropharmacopoeia uh, and how um, it's been shown to initiate actual natural um, cannabinoids that we have. And, and I guess like an opiate type of thing. So he calls it getting high on your own supply. And you really do feel that when you're doing the, the breathing, especially when I was talking about with Wim Hof doing the trip, you know, where you, you do the, where you're doing the stomach, chest, head, when I'm really focusing on the head aspect, I really feel that it's, I don't, you know, it's, I know it's a lot of probably mental meditation, self-actualization of that, but Man, you, uh, the first few times I was doing it, I couldn't help but start laughing. Like on the second or third round, I was like cracking up because you literally just feel high. And uh, my wife was like, what is going on with you over there? And I'm like, I'm high as a kite right now. Um, it's really kind of crazy. So he talks about that anyway. So like the, the natural um, healing uh, aspects of that with uh, initiating the cannabinoids and stuff that we have in us. So getting high on your own. Supplies. That's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. Very true, and you don't even need a bong. <laughs> Go ahead. And you don't have to uh, lose your keys and all that because not only are you high, but you have uh, 
complete mental acuity and you don't have to go into a cannabis fog, uh, you know, when you rely on external uh, cannabinoids, because we've got all that inside of ourselves. And uh, plants just uh, are supposed to be our teachers. But and, and again, nothing against weed, but we aren't supposed to get dependent on those things. They just show us where to go, and then we're supposed to throw away the training wheels as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, okay. So the last uh, one we'll go into is Buteco breathing method. And I like to finish on Wim Hof and the Buteco method because they're westernized versions that use what we consider uh, as you know, mainstream research to verify how things work. And not only have they been able to verify that these techniques work, but they and uh, they uh, lend validity to things that other cultures have known for thousands of years and didn't need somebody in a laboratory code to tell them how it works, you know, because they figured all this stuff out. But there is something to the contemporary scientific method because uh, done properly within a larger context uh, and, and not allowing it to seduce you into a world of materialistic superstition, uh, it can actually be used to enhance some of these things that have been uh, around for a very long time. So this method was developed by a Russian scientist and it's a type of therapeutic breathing. And um, what it is intended to do and proven to do, and uh, again, can be replicated in anybody who practices the technique, is it normalizes the specific gas ratios within the lungs required for proper physiology. Uh, earlier on in our talk, we mentioned how... Um, these uh, gas ratios alter with age and it's because uh, not just through mouth breathing but just through our tendency to uh, yawn and sigh and take a big deep breath because our breathing isn't uh, uh, efficient you know we get used to taking larger gulps even if it's through the nose which would be better but often you know we do these things through our mouth uh, even if we're uh, you know, breathing through our nose the rest of the time. And what that does is it creates a chronic state of hyperventilation. In other words, uh, too much oxygen and not enough CO2. And then our breathing gets um, lazy. And even though we're breathing in more oxygen with these improper breathing techniques, in the long run, we're getting less oxygen to the tissues. Sounds kind of like... Uh, reverse of what should be happening, but that's actually what happens. When we have normal, not super shallow breathing, but just relaxed, light breathing, then that creates a proper ratio of CO2 and oxygen, and your tissues actually get oxygenated better than kind of running out of breath when you walk up a flight of stairs and have to open your mouth or take a big gulp or you know, uh, yawn because the tension levels in your body require just a, a release of that tension through yawning. You know, you, you find that you don't yawn and, and you don't need a gulp of air. And, you know, the more you do these techniques, uh, you're deliberately teaching yourself 
to do a light, calm breathing through the nose. And, um, you know, then you retraining your breathing volume to have less volume and reverse the chronic hyperventilation and over breathing. And, uh, when, and as we just redone on the slide, hyperventilation creates um, carbon dioxide depletion, causing blood vessel spasm, oxygen deprivation, and disease patients exhibit a uniform deepening of breathing. So what you do with these people, or even geriatrics, uh, is you uh, get them to breathe uh, through these techniques, which we, you know, way too much to go into today. But uh, after a while, they're just uh, uh, breathing less deeply through their nose, nice rhythmic in and out. And they find that their health problems are uh, improving, their um, energy levels are increasing. And as you see in the next line down, oxygen deficiency is not caused by lack of oxygen but by lack of carbon dioxide. That's something that you just don't hear about these days. So the buteco breathing encourages parasympathetic activation, resulting in a reduction of blood pressure, um, uh, increased, uh, uh, decrease in blood pressure and stress, an increase in immunity, and a reversal of many diseases. And if you go to the buteco breathing method online, you can read a lot more about it. And just like with Wim Hof, you'll see all of the documentation uh, they have where people reverse all manner of illness, especially respiratory illnesses, uh, you know, such as um, asthma and allergies, uh, you know, sleep apnea, snoring, all goes away, all goes away. And it's not that hard. So they have an entire system um, I've bought their system a long time ago and got the DVDs and the workbook here. Anybody can get that online. Uh, I think it costs like these days, maybe 50 bucks. Uh, and they also have another version, which I really like because it's tailored more towards athletes. That's also 50 bucks. You get the DVD and instant uh, e-version that you can download. And then you get a workbook with the DVD that they sent to you, but you have access to it immediately. Um, so uh, the whole heart of their system is first you do a breathing test to see what state of breathing physiology you presently are in. And it's very simple, and we'll just read through it. You sit down, close your mouth, breathe normally through the nose for 30 seconds. Take a normal breath in through your nose and allow a normal breath out through your nose. And these aren't real exaggerated breaths, just normal very calm breathing. And then you gently pinch your nose shut and you count the seconds. And you'll be amazed because you aren't taking a big breath in to see how long you can hold your breath. You're just normal breathing. And then you stop breathing, hold your nose, count the seconds. And then when you feel the first need to breathe, you know, you don't go into total, you know, spazzing out, you know, trying to hold your breath as long as possible. Just when you kind of feel like, oh, yeah, I could use a breath, you breathe and then that's your time. And then uh, you can go in the workbook and you'll see a whole chart that'll tell you your present state of being. And you'll shock, be shocked, even young people out there, on how inefficient their breathing is and um, what that level of uh, you know, breath hold means to your health. 
and um, that's that's your starting place. And then they take you through all the exercises that train you to tra- um, breathe, you know, uh, again in in a fashion that is going to uh, not just help your health and make you feel better, and and also allow you to perform without losing your breath, uh, you know, more efficiently. Uh, you're going to find that your health and your energy levels actually improve too. And then when you go back and do the control pause breathing test, which is what they call it, you'll find that it keeps your length of breath holding keeps increasing. And when you look at the chart, they'll tell you, okay, now that you're holding your breath for this amount of time, this this is what it means to your health. And these are things that you're probably experiencing. And you will be experiencing those things if you're doing it methodically. Now, the last thing I'll say, Mike, and then we'll be all done here and we can open up to any discussion you care, is they have a, uh, another version of this by the same people. They call it the Oxygen Challenge, and it's tailored more for athletes, and it's uh, functional breathing training, and in this, you actually simulate altitude training, which you can do with these techniques. And as you can see down the list under the simulation of altitude training, it delays lactic acid and fatigue, you know, lactic acid when you're out doing things, that's the the stuff that makes you tired and fatigued and makes your muscles kind of cramp up so you can't sprint anymore. Uh, It improves, uh, you know, like if you're doing uh, repeats on the track, like we're talking about, you you know, you can do it more efficiently. Uh, You know, you don't hit the wall as soon. Uh, You stimulate anaerobic glycolysis that means even in the presence of oxygen deficit you're still um, uh, producing energy very efficiently and uh, so you know bottom line you're increasing your performance uh, potentials uh, and then just as far as the functional breathing column there reduces breathlessness improves oxygen delivery it dilates your nose and lungs so that uh, you know they become more efficient at and receiving uh, the oxygen they need with, uh, you know, more shallow breathing. It improves your core strength. You sleep better, and just everything improves. So that's the Buteco breathing method. That's the way we should be breathing around the clock. Wim Hof should be something that we do for our little twenty-minute session to achieve uh, the results that he gets. The embryonic breathing is something that we, uh, I really feel strongly people should be spending even 10 minutes a day on uh, in order to recharge their upper and lower batteries. And they'll also um, you know, go into some other consequences which have to do with uh, you know, getting more in touch with your authentic self before you put yourself here in the matrix and um, so that, uh, you know, you can read between the lines a lot more efficiently and not take things so seriously. So with that, Mike, I'll hand it back over to you. Yeah, um, I think we got a lot of information across today. We're coming up on two hours, so we should probably wrap it up. Um, there's a lot to take in. Like I said, uh, those listening on the podcast, uh, we'll have these slides available on our website. We're going to do a blog post on alphavedic.com. That will have all these slides that you can download for your own use. Um, Dr. Lando did a lot of good work here. I can see they look great, by the way. So um, amazing information, easy to ingest. A lot of uh, different modalities and practices here to help you guys out. 
what's cool about it is everybody can breathe, hopefully. <laughs> so uh, it's, I guess that's the one thing we need to do to survive, considering our talk about breatharianism. So anybody can do this. It's just a practice. It's just um, getting the uh, dedication and the discipline to do it. For me, we talked about Wim Hof, um, this other one, um, boot, whatever it was it called, Bute, Buteki or whatever. We just talked Buteco. about. Yeah, that's uh, one I'm going to start looking into. Then we also have, um, uh, you know, the martial arts stuff too. Um, and there's all sorts of different practices there. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, uh, you can go in a hundred different variations there. Like, uh, like we're talking about Tai Chi or there's like Ram Mantra, um, whatever, you know, there's all sorts of different ways of that. And then last you talked, you talked about stress or excuse me about just doing this in your daily routine. One thing I've noticed about is when I'm starting to get stressed, when I'm starting to get annoyed, like with my kids or something, um, going to breath. Um, and one of these practices is always essential. It'll help relieve the moment and get you kind of back and grounded and, and bring back some um, realization that, hey, the present is just the present. It's not as, not as serious or dire as you, the situation might think. And it gives you some really good grounding. So were you going to say something, Bear, about the martial arts no no uh that that's great i you know i apologize i don't like to go into lecture mode too much i like to keep our formatted discussion but uh this is such a large topic that i just thought it might be useful to you know do a survey and then we can uh, break any one of these uh, single slides down for an entire discussion in the future if we want if there's any interest in that yeah, I think revisiting Wim Hof down the line as I go down my journey and probably getting more into the cold aspect and actually doing a whole podcast on cold therapy and the, the power of cold, because this one was more about the breathing, but then, and I know there's probably all sorts of different tangents and areas you can take us down with the cold element from athletics to just general therapies and stuff. Um, so I would love to get into the science of cold because as we talk with David Devine a few episodes back with the Grand Solar Minimum, things are getting colder. We're, we're, we're seeing record colds uh, all throughout North, the Northern Hemisphere right now, especially uh, in Canada right now and in Northern United States. We're having uh, record-breaking cold spells uh, and snowstorms. So those that love to ski and snowboard like myself are pumped. There's always a positive to everything. But yeah, um, embracing the cold uh, and not being fearful of the cold um, could be an amazing topic we can get into down the line. Um, and then last here, we do have a question. Um, what's the best way to throw questions to you about this stuff? Uh, Bear has recently joined us on our Telegram channel. And while he's not online a lot because he's um, busy talking to clients and friends and he's ma mainly been out uh, in Alphabetic Gardens, working there and he's just really busy. So, uh, and so he's actually, I take a lot from him because he has, you know, in our, in my generation and younger generations, we tend to be on our phone a lot on our cell phones. And um, if you ever hang out with Barry, you'll notice he doesn't even ever have his phone ever on. So, uh, <laughs> um, which is a really smart thing to do because it's a spy radiation device um, probably not the best thing to always have on our body or always be looking at. And we know the detrimental health effects 
to the blue screen and everything that's all about the phone. But that being said, uh, Telegram may be a really great way um, to uh, get involved and throw questions out to him. Uh, and then um, I can always relay them to him as well. Also, you can email us uh, and go to our website and email us there. Um, that's probably the best way to throw questions out though. What would you say, Bear, if somebody has questions uh, about this stuff for you? Yeah, that works. Um, Telegram, I'm just getting used to that. Uh, just so people know though, I'll sit down at the computer only when I have to. And it's usually because I have to get something prepared for a client or, or check emails. Um, and so, you know, I'll just glance over at the telegram and kind of, you know, power read through it. And if there's anything for me, I'll answer it. But, you know, I'm just there moments during a day. And I notice, you know, in the chat kind of groups, you know, people are, you can tell, you know, like I know Mike, you and, and my son, you know, do a lot of your occupation is at the computer. So you're just there able to keep an eye on it. My life is real different. And also when I come in, in those moments, I have to check emails and I get, um, God, I can get a few hundred emails in a day. And um, it's kind of crazy. I get through them as best I can. But, um, you know, it just takes me a few days. So if, uh, if you communicate with me and I don't get back to you for a few days, don't take it personally. Um, you know, I could really use a staff here, but uh, I'm not going there again either. So I just do the best I can. But I'll always get back to you when I, uh, you know, get your message, either with email or Telegram, be the two best. Yeah. Um, you know, like we say, you're retired from your practice days and um, your main focus now is on Alpha Vedic, on the gardens, on the permaculture guild, on on doing these things. And we're trying to create a larger system here to uh, help community with all the knowledge that's that you have. And so that we can have systems set up um, where we can um, expand on these ideas and help people through this information portals and through new technologies. So Telegram's a great place to interact with us. Also, um, our um, you can go to our Patreon and join the co-op there. Now we're still developing this. Um, we're, we're building this out uh, and as we build it out and as the more people that join Patreon, that'll give us more ability to bring on um, some staff members, not necessarily like you said for like, you're not going to be running a, like your practice like you did, but to help Alpha Vedic so that we can have more support for customer service, for um, relating uh, these messages, um, for helping you just helping us just with like sending out product and stuff and helping in the, on the, in the farm and stuff. So if you want to support us, the best way to do is, yeah, join our Patreon. We've got some different levels there. Um, you know, uh, we have products that we sell that we really, we fully support that we've spent decades developing. You can get those on alphavedic.com and all of that, every little bit helps so that we um, can financially maintain this and keep this going. So um, yeah. And even if you're interested in volunteering, uh, if you're local and you want to come help out, that's a possibility too. So, um, yeah, the, just, you know, joining us here on D live and, and is huge and helping build a community. Cause that's really what we're looking to do is to build a community of like-minded souls who want to see the world, um, 
manifest into where it should be and out of the dark ages into a, a truth and light where we are manifesting um, a truly holistic world where uh, we can really thrive and prosper with each other. Um, that's really our, what we're all about. So joining us on Telegram, joining us here on DLives, um, following us if, you like, if you're into YouTube, subscribing to us there, um, just interacting and joining us any way you can um, will really help us out. But um, yeah, um, that's kind of our two cents on that. Any parting words today, Bear? I think we've kind of hit our limit here. We're over two hours here today. Yeah, we're good. We're good. That was fun. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Awesome. Okay. And Hope saying she would love to help out on the farm. Well, that, yeah, um, obviously we're moving into winter time now. So kind of um, getting into more inside time and prepping for a spring. And, uh, you know, I think we're finishing up the harvest of the Jaogulan right now. Of course, the frost coming in isn't helping with that. Um, but once again, even for, for support for our volunteers, we need to have uh, infrastructure set up for that so that we can provide um, volunteers with um, the proper um, teaching and stuff, how to do things. So it all, it all, it's all happening and it's just a process. So um, we're a family run operation basically. And, um, you know, we're building this out in spades and um, it's, it's very exciting where we're going. So um, we're very uh, appreciative to everybody out there who has joined in on DLive today, um, who's following us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. You can follow, find us on all those platforms. If you go to alphavedic.com, uh, you'll see you can join our mailing list um, to get updates on our future talks. Uh, and really just um, that's the best way to really help us out right now is just support us with the follow, a like, share with like-minded friends and family. That's another thing that can really help us out. And um, yeah, just continue on this journey with us. Next week, we've got a great guest, Jason Aliosatos. Uh, and he's got a wonderful uh, podcast and he's written a, an amazing book. It's all about awakening and coming together with all these notions I was just talking about. So um, check him out on YouTube, uh, L-I-O-S-A-T-O-S, -S, Jason Aliosatos. If I'm saying your name correctly, Jason, if I'm not, I apologize. Uh, but um, I've recently discovered him and I've really been enjoying this, the guests he has on and started reading his, uh, e uh, the book he sent me that you can uh, purchase through him on his site. And we'll, get, we'll go into all that next week. He's going to be an awesome guest. And actually, Bear uh, is going to be a guest on his show next week. So they can go into um, whatever tangents they want about all this stuff uh, in, in terms of um, you know, coming together as a conscious, awakened community to help uh, move us in the right direction towards a uh, better enlightened society and a more conscious collective of um, creators that we are. So um, awesome, guys. Uh, appreciate the work you did for this show this week, Bear. Um, I know I got a hell of a lot out of it, and hopefully you guys did out there. Once again, we'll, we'll um, be showing this on YouTube today at 5 p.m., YouTube forward slash Alpha Vedic. And you can also then see the slides on our website. We'll get those up on a blog. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. And have a wonderful day. And a happy Halloween to everyone, by the way. I know my kids are pumped on today. It's their favorite holiday, maybe besides Christmas. But they're super excited. And, um, of course... <laughs> 
we're throwing a party here, so I got to get going and get prepped for that. We're going to have a ton of kids and parents over and then go trick-or-treating in our little rural area, which is always fun because it's dark and spooky. So um, uh, nothing like, nothing like uh, trick-or-treating in the country, I tell you. Uh, even though where we are, it's a little bit more of a neighborhoody kind of town, but it's we're out there and there's no streetlights and it's uh, this will be our fourth Halloween, I believe now, uh, or is it our third Halloween here? So um, it's always fun. So uh, and I assume you guys aren't getting many trick or treaters at your place there. No, not unless they have a four wheel drive to get down my driveway or four legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of four-legged. Uh, yeah, they'll be out there. <laughs> awesome, guys. Okay, well, have a great day, everyone, and a happy Halloween to you.